whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey there, friends. Karen Pennington here. And it has occurred to me that I often start off my daily little chat by telling you things I'm not good at. And I hope I'm not misrepresenting myself. Um, I do feel good about myself. I do feel good about who I am in Christ. I do feel good about um, what Christ has done through me. I consider myself to be beautiful. I would be a hypocrite if I was always telling other people they were beautiful but not feeling the same about myself. I know I'm complete in Christ. I know all those great things. Um, when I tell you about things I'm not good at, it is really in the spirit of um, understanding the wholeness of my beauty, even kind of laughing at the things I can't do because it's fine that I can't do things. But today I do I want to tell you something I think I am pretty good at. I think it's an important thing, and that is discerning truth. Now, I definitely have not arrived. If I had arrived and I could just see truth, then no matter what, then I probably, you know, I would need Jesus. And we always need Jesus. In fact, when I am, you know, appropriate at, at discerning truth, particularly the truth of God's word, it is because of the grace of Christ in me. It is not something I can do on my own. But it has been a very large and sort of consuming life mission for me to just discover and live by the truth and to understand what that truth means. You know, when Jesus stood in front of Pontius Pilate, um, that Roman governor, uh, on his way really to execution on the cross, the governor said, Pontius Pilate said, what, what is truth? And honestly, I think that's a question a lot of us still ask today. In fact, I was, uh, I met up with a friend the other day and she had some questions for me and I was just kind of praying the whole time because I'm like, I don't know how to answer this, but she's just sharing with me things that she's read in the media, different sources. You know, there's the mainstream media, which of course has been called fake news over and over and over again. But then there's that underground media that is getting more and more and more voice. And there's just some crazy stuff that you hear out there, no matter which media you're looking at. And it's hard to know who to believe and it's hard to know what to believe. And, and um, honestly, it can kind of be maddening to try to figure out what's truth. What is true? Is that, were the elections real or fake? Is there an underground, whatever this was Trump part of a cult? Is Biden the Antichrist? You know, all, all these things that are just like, oh my, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> what's true? And you really, really can drive yourself fairly mad if you try to know all the truth, and yet we can't ignore it. You know, we can't be like, well, never mind. You know, I think that's two equally opposite yet equal things to get so obsessed with something that drives you to the point of insanity and, well, madness, um, some sort of psychosis, because you're trying to digest every single detail and figure out what's real, real and what's fake. But then that other side, you know, like the ostrich buries its head in the sand for us to just say, never mind, just not going to listen to any of it. Um, 
So how, how do we figure it out? How do we figure out what to pay attention to, what not to pay attention to? Um, well, I will tell you, um, so important is truth to me that the name of our daughter is Truth. The full name is Aletheia in Greek. And years after we named her that, I, I, I discovered the meaning of truth in the biblical sense, Aletheia, and it literally means not hidden. That which cannot be hidden, that which comes to light, and um, and thinking about it, um, instead of coming to the conclusion at the end of this, I'll tell you at the beginning. Truth, I'll tell you what it's not. Truth is not about a list of facts. If it was, we could get to it in the media because honestly, we don't always know what facts are true and what facts aren't. We do know two plus two is four. Um, we know that. There are some things that are just very clear. Um, but then there are things that we're not sure of. And here's the other thing. Um, sometimes memorizing a list of facts can lead us in the opposite direction. For instance, in our own lives, we can think about every single thing we've done wrong. And we rely on that, those list of facts you know, I went to jail for this, I did this, I did that. I, Like, for instance, Paul, he killed whole families. He killed babies. He was totally wrong about Christ. Um, he spent a very good bit of his life hurting people in the name of Christ. Um, in the name, I'm sorry, not in the name of Christ. People who loved Christ in the name of religion. And So you could look at that list of facts and say he's worthless. You could look at that and that's not the truth. That's just a bunch of delicious facts that lead you in the wrong direction. And then on the other hand, people say the opposite of fact is failing. Not so much true. <laughs> I think we all know what happens if we base truth on our feelings. If we're having a bad day, then all of a sudden everything is colored by this bad day if we're thinking about. We can totally love something. I can totally love the way that something tastes and decide that's good for me. No matter how much I like the taste of Boston cream donuts, no matter how much it makes me feel good, at first, definitely not after the fifth donut, but it doesn't change the fact that that's not a truly healthy thing for me, nor is it horribly poisoning to have, you know, one um, in moderation. But that said, I can't base what I think is healthy and good on what tastes good to me that moment or what feels good to me. Can't always tell who are the right people for you just based on, oh, I felt good when I talked to them. Now, those can be helpful. Definitely facts can be helpful. Feelings can be helpful, um, and that, and I would say that if there's no balance between them, if it's never about paying attention to your feelings, if it's never about looking at the facts, then there's probably something missing in your quest for truth. Because um, as Jim Symbolist said, I love this. Uh, he's the Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, lead pastor there. He once said in a sermon. Facts are one, I mean, sorry, feelings are wonderful servants. They're horrible masters. And I love that because sometimes when we're feeling a certain way, we can pay attention to it and we can just bring it to God and say, what, what does this mean? Or sometimes when we learn something about what's happened in the media or, happened in, or something even when we read in the Bible that we know, okay, this happened in the Bible. Um, those can both be, I, I would say the same thing about facts. They can be wonderful, wonderful servants but we can't let ourselves be ruled by every single fact and figure that comes to us because we just can't simply can't master them. So what I want to submit to you today is that truth is neither really about fact nor is it about feeling, although those, pl although those play in. Truth 
is about focus, particularly focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Christ himself said it in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So today I just want to talk briefly, hopefully briefly, because I'm running out of time before I have to go to work, uh, briefly about the Church at Colossae. Um, it's a very interesting story. They're all very interesting stories. See, the Church at Colossae, they were in Asia Minor. They were one of the churches that Paul really, really wanted to go to in the New Testament. You know, that great evangelist Paul. He really wanted to go to. He wrote to them from prison and said, oh, after I get out of prison, I'd like to come see you. Uh, of course, he never quite made it out of prison. He had some freedom on house arrest for a while, then eventually was put to death in Rome. Um, but he never quite made it there, even though he wanted to. And there were a church that there were other churches that had had Angelus there, and um, not too far from Ephesus. It was in that great big set of regions that would now be the country of Turkey. Uh, but here's what he said to them. He knew that they had a great, I'll say this here, they had great endurance. They had great faithfulness. They had a great love for the Lord and for humanity. You heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all the saints. That's Colossians 1, 4. But another thing they had in quite great plenitude was confusion. And God warns them, I mean, Paul warns them, man, I'm misfiring today, warns them a lot um, in Colossians 2, 8. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world, vis-a-vis -vis fact or feeling, rather than on Christ. See, the, the Colossians had a lot to be confused about. Talk about fake news. <laughs> I think <laughs> that was not created in this country. It was not created by this media. They had in a city something that they called syncretism, which basically meant basically any faith. We can just mix it all together in one pot. And that's kind of like the same thing as mixing bacon and eggs, and that's fine, and honey and pancakes and bitter things and hot sauce and maybe some of you like this at this point I'm starting to my stomach's starting to turn and grease and and even things that are bad for you and pepper and salt and sugar and seasoning and it's, it doesn't work it doesn't work with cooking and and let's add a little poison in there too and it doesn't work with faith you don't just simply add in everything you see in the kitchen and that makes for a good recipe for a faithful living um but they had a lot of differing Differing ideas um, in this whole syncretism. First of all, they had Judaism. And they had something called the Judaizers, which basically, uh, it wasn't a good term. It was referring to people who said, okay, you want to follow Christ, you have to follow all these Jewish laws. You have to follow, don't taste, don't touch, don't eat the pigs, don't eat this, you know, don't eat food sacrificed idols. And just it kept going over and over and over. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But then they also had Gnostics, which could go one way or the other. On one side, the Gnostics, um, there were a certain form of Gnostics, uh, the Stoics and certain like that, that said, your body is bad, your spirit. Gnostic always said there's a difference between your body and your spirit. So your body is bad, your spirit is good. So if you want to be good and close to the Lord, you have to beat up your body. You have to deprive your body. Your body has to be 
you know, bruised and bloody just to prove that you know that it's bad because you want these good things to happen and so you have to beat yourself up. And on the other side of Gnosticism, and this was huge in Asia Minor, you had the Nicolaitans, which basically said your body and your spirit are different. So do whatever you want with your body and your spirit's good. So you want to have sex? Go for it. Have a ball. Eat whatever you want. Drink whatever you want. Get drunk. It doesn't matter. Because your body isn't going to heaven, so do whatever you want. Use it up. Abuse it. Indulge. God's good because, you know, God will just forgive you anyways when go, we can go to heaven. So very different. It's like trying to mix hot and cold and thinking that you get either one of them. It didn't work. Um, and... And those are were, those were the major things. Oh, and then one big thing that was in Corinth was they were following this cult of angels. In fact, they worshipped the archangel Michael. And the funny thing about the Nicolaitans is they decided that they were actually following one of the deacons from Jerusalem. Nicholas, that's no. And, and the angel cult, they worshipped Michael. And so they were worshipping the creations over the creator. And so the Corinth, Corinth, I mean, sorry, the Colossians were really, really, this is a confusing thing. It's sort of like my friend who sat down with me over coffee the other day and said, what, what do I believe? Holy moly, what do I believe? There's so much out there and I don't know what to focus on and I don't know what's right and I don't know what's wrong. And I prayed and I believe probably because I just read Colossians, this is what God brought to my mind and I believe it is truth. I know it's truth. If we're trying to reach our understanding of God through the lens of the world's knowledge, we're going to drive ourselves crazy. We can't reach God through the world. But if we try to understand the world, forget that. If we start with the lens of God and look at the world through the lens of God, all of a, thing, all of a sudden that focus comes into play. Um, and the focus may not be, I know that this fact is right. I know that this fact is right. I know this fact is right. It may not be, I feel this way. I feel this way. But what it is, is it says, I trust Jesus and I know Jesus and I know who's in control. And so I'm going to focus on the things that I need to focus on. And I, I believe and I know that God allows you to focus on those right things. So that when it feels like the world's falling apart, as it says in Psalm 46, there's going to be a river of peace within you. And when it feels like there's a storm all around you, and you know what? Maybe there is, like when the disciples were in the boat and the storm looked like it was going to take their lives. You can focus on the fact that the Lord of all creation, Jesus, is asleep in the boat. He's in the boat. And he can quiet the storm with a word, with two words, just like Jesus did. But in the meantime, he's here with us and he's not going to let us sink. It's a really important thing. And so this is what Paul was saying to the Colossians. He was saying, don't worry about angel worship. That's not right. He just kept saying, Christ, 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 Christ. It was said a different way in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, where it said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. See, we're not going to reach Jesus by focusing on the world. 
But if we start with Jesus, and that's the lens, he can help us figure out. Jesus, we don't focus on the world to understand Jesus. We focus on Jesus to understand the world. And here's another way he talks about it. I love this. One of my favorite passages. Colossians 3 starts with one. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Not on the fake news. Or the not fake news. Or whatever it is. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's think about the promise. Let's think about the person of Christ. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. <clears throat> Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Translation, if it is hindering the love of Christ in your life, you get rid of it because it's all about the love and power and supremacy of Christ. That's it. That's the only rule. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all, is all and is in all. So it's no longer about factions. It's no, about, no longer about us then. But then, therefore, is God's chosen people. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentle patience, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over these virtues, here's the thing, and over these all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. There's your litmus test, friends. There's my litmus test. As we are looking through the media, as we are hearing these horrible things, as we're trying to navigate these new rules with this pandemic, let's think of our thoughts, fix our eyes on Jesus, and look at this litmus test. Is this leading me to love? Is this feeding malice? If not, what can I do with it? Do I need to get rid of it? Or do I need to just give it to God and ask him to help me interpret it? Is this supporting love and faith in Christ? See, some data isn't worth keeping, even if it's factually correct. Because this is crazy. You can have a factually accurate statement, but if it is leading you to focus on something other than the love of Christ then it's wrong. If you see an old rap sheet of somebody and you know every single thing they've done against you or against God or against the community and all you can see is a worthless piece of trash because of this, there's something wrong with your fact sheet. There's nothing wrong with knowing that they did something wrong. But when you're focusing on it, that's where the focus becomes the non-truth. Or if you see somebody that you know is not good for the church or for you, but you feel, you feel so good when you're around them, except for when you don't. But the times you feel good, it's great. It's kind of like a drug. It's not truth. Don't follow your heart. Follow God's heart. Follow God's heart. Don't rely on your understanding, Proverbs 3. Seek first God. And even as I'm speaking these things, 
in my own heart. There's a conviction. I just want to confess that. Lord Jesus, every day I need you. Doesn't matter how many facts I know. Doesn't how many matter how many feelings that I understand that's going in with me. You've got to be the lens, God. Every single day, every single person I see, if I don't look at them through your lens, God, I, I confess I get critical and I get judgmental and I get condescending and that is not your truth. No matter what facts I may or may know, not know about what they've done. Lord Jesus, when I'm feeling downcast, depressed, horrible about myself or those around me or my world, when I'm not looking at it through your eyes, there's something missing. There's truth missing. Something's hidden, God. Reveal in our own hearts the things that we should know. Lead us to the truth, whether they be facts or feelings, or figures, or insights. Lead us to those things that would lead us deeper into your heart, Lord. And we know that when we seek you first, as it says in your word, that our needs will be added, that you will supply all our needs as we give to you first, God. We, we stand on these truths. Help us to rehearse and stand upon the truths that we know to be true because you said them. And may that be the lens that colors every other thing that we see, hear, feel, and interpret. In your most holy name, amen. May truth be revealed to you in a new and special way today. May God be revealed to you in a new and special way today. Be blessed. Please.